Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Classic. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And tonight we're going to re-release an interview that we did with Tom Opanikit. Mm-hmm. And um, and how would people know him? Well, he um, he played uh, Hilo on Battlestar Galactica. And um, he was also in, in that show Dollhouse. Yes, and he's done some other stuff as well, right? Sure, he was in the web series of uh, Mortal Kombat. He's been having guest roles in different shows. Most recently, I remember seeing him in uh, Arrow. Yeah, absolutely. He's in Arrow. And uh, <clears throat> did you know he's also in Man of Steel? I seem to recall that, yeah. Yeah, so he's in Man of Steel. You'll be seeing him in Man of Steel. And he was in Castle, in Continuum, um, trying to see what else, in Haven, uh, Mortal Kombat. I said Human Target he was in, River World. Remember that TV series, River World, he right. did? And then the rest we kind of said some of the more important ones. But a mm-hmm. working actor right. who we had the pleasure of sitting down with at Farpoint two years ago. Yeah, he was he was a fantastic interview, a uh, very fan friendly guest. Um, so if you're if you're at a con, he's a guest. Make sure you get him on to say hi to him. Um, and, you know, get get, a, get an autograph picture, whatever. Um, you won't be disappointed. Um, he was f- a lot of fun at the um, at his panel. I mean, asking questions. I remember somebody asking him, you know, what's it like getting, you know, or no, he said it must be tough getting beat up by all those girls on Battlestar Galactica. And he goes, and and Dollhouse goes, actually, it's 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 not that bad. <laughs> really, it's kind of fun. Really, <laughs> right, 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 right. So um, it was a pleasure interviewing him, and obviously also Melly from Dollhouse. Oh yeah, one of our first classics that we did. So mm-hmm. November and. Uh, uh, this is great. So, all right. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and share this interview we had with Tom Pennington. Hello, Sci-Fi fans. This is Tom O'Pennicott from Dollhouse and Battlestar Galactica, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Hey, Sonia. Jackson. The striker. How are you feeling? I'm okay. Where am I? In the ICU. You've been out nearly a week. Yeah, I was pretty worried about you. Do we get Kano? Ladies and gentlemen, this morning we are speaking with uh, Tamil Pennicott at Farpoint. And if we just jump right in... Um, Battlestar Galactica, I heard your character originally wasn't going to be in the show after the miniseries. However, your character played a pivotal role in a major storyline. I've also uh, heard uh, Ronald D. Moore called Heel of the Conscience of the show. Can you tell us what transpired that made your character made it survive the miniseries and make it for the TV show? Um, I mean, that might be a question for the uh, executive producers and stuff. I mean, you know, obviously as an actor on a television series, especially early on and with such a large cast, you're not really privy to executive decisions like that. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think your job, even if you're a small supporting character like I was, is just to you know do the best work you can. When I got this role, this is one of the few roles in my 10 years of being a professional that I um, I instantly connected to. You know, I, re- I remember reading the sides, uh, you know, the sides for the for the audition, mm-hmm. and uh, and just being like, I know this guy, I can do this. I'm very excited about it. And the audition sides were. Um, they were the scene uh, on the planet where I basically give up my seat to Guy's Baltar. And I say, listen, you know, mankind's about to end here. Mm-hmm. Give up my seat. I have that great scene with uh, with Sharon. And uh, 
for me personally, I mean, you know, my character and, and my role in that show was going to be done after the miniseries. I mean, the planet's going to blow up. It's, you know, nuclear holocaust. Life is happening. over. Yeah. Life is over. He, he was there, and I, I was okay with that. I, I just, I had the privilege to work with Edward James Almost, made this incredible connection to Grace Park, who I hadn't met before, before this miniseries. And, uh, and you know, the rest of the cast, and it was such a warm environment. And it was like doing a big feature, because we shot it over three months. So I would come in. I was originally, I think, slated for like four days or something. Michael Reimer kept on writing me into other scenes, and uh, he, he being the, uh, uh, the brilliant key director that we had. And uh, that was just amazing. So I keep on going in and doing more stuff, and it bonded us more as a, uh, as a cast, and especially the pilots. So for me, the, the, that was done. I moved on to uh, uh, another series, a Canadian series, and I, you know, I didn't think I'd be coming back for Battlestar Galactica. I got some nice compliments at the end from producers. Edward James almost told me that you know the producers really like my work and they thought about bringing me back. But you know, you take everything with a grain of salt in this business. You know, nothing's done till it's done. <laughs> and uh, but you know, uh, you know, six months later, whenever it was, when I got the call from Ronald Moore saying, um, you know, that he uh, he. He had an idea for a storyline, a separate storyline going on the planet where Kilo's still alive and trying to survive. I mean, I was, I was, I was ecstatic. I was over the moon. Well, as a viewer, that was a very that scene did stand out where your character gives your seat to Baltar. Yeah, uh, and I, and I saw him the show. Yeah, on the show, it's like he's back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was so well written. You know, it was a great scene, hero scene. You know, I mean, you get a sense of Kilo, who Kilo is from that that moment there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Um, I think the writers stayed true to him somewhat throughout the, the course of the show. You, you could always go back and, you know, this guy was very, very uh, strong as in, in his uh, convictions and uh, he knew what he wanted and what he stood for. Good deal. Yeah, I, I love how BSG really didn't tell you what to think. They kind of presented the issues yeah. and then let you as the audience member make the decision. And he presented all sides. Absolutely. Great point. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's the main point that anybody makes about this brilliant show. It's uh, it always just asks you to examine both sides. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it's it was fascinating. It's brilliant the way Ron Moore did that. And he was brave at the time. I mean, you know, the politi- politically and socially in the world, you look at the atmosphere we were living in when BSG started and started touching on issues like insurgency, suicide bombers, mm-hmm. very very touchy issues at the time where all the censorship censorship was happening and everything. And they always just you know they they they, they forced you to look at both sides of the uh, the issues and. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm so blessed to have uh, worked on a project like this. You know, really, really. I think I think even the executive producers and the writers. It seems like Eddie always knew. He's like, this show has so much potential. And from the beginning, he was like, this is amazing, and we're going to go far with this. And you don't understand how important this is. And I think even the writers, like Ron, Ron Moore and David Icke, were even. I mean, they you know they had a blueprint of where they were going to go, but you never know where the show is going to go. Regardless of how much you plan things out, because it's such a collaborative process between writers, actors, the entire crew. You know, every single person on that show uh, made that show uh, what it became because, uh, uh, you, you know, like you write a scene a certain way, but the way the actors interpret it sometimes take you in a completely different direction. And uh, the writers always came to us and said that, especially if you do your extra work. I, to be honest with you, I think that's part of the reason that I, I, I stayed on the show. Whenever I had an opportunity with Grace Park, because, you know, there's such a big cast, oftentimes our scenes were quite small. Mm-hmm. So we'd just do backstory. We'd be like, let's find more to this story. What is actually going on in this scene? And we'd do it, and the writers would have to write for it. They'd be like, you know, we wrote it at this level, and you gave us three more. Like, what's going on there? I have to write for that now. Wow, so even you, you brought the writers to their A-game. Exactly. 
and um, and uh, force them to write for me more in some ways, and that was a huge learning lesson as an actor. And that's just something you know I, I constantly tell you know young actors starting out, like do your work, yeah. do your work. When you don't, they're not going to write for you. When you do it, they're going to write for you. There's as more opportunity. Viewer, as a viewer, you could tell the actors were invested in the show. Exactly, and I think everyone you know as the seasons went on and everyone realized uh, you know how special the show and how important it was. Um, you know, everyone got more and more invested. Like you know, even our crew, and and so much of it. Not only was it incredible talent at all levels, but I, I can never thank uh, our leads enough. Edward James Olmos and Mary McDonald were just such incredible mentors. Being in the business so long, having gone through ed- everything, having such long careers themselves, both being Academy Award nominees, like just incredible actors. But they were so passionate about the show, and they set such a uh, uh, such a realistic and and uh, proper precedent. They. They they were such giving leads, and yet they worked their asses off, and they were always there, and they kept it light. They got serious when they had to be, but they, you know, you had to follow suit, man. They were just, they were amazing, man. So they set the tone, in a way? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, Dollhouse. You, know, you play a character, Paul Ballard, that's like the conscious of the show, in a sense, in, in some ways. Yeah. And uh, and you also, uh, rumor has it, you do a lot of your own stunts. What, do you, what does he call it? Is it Muay Thai? Yeah, you know? Muay Thai. I, How does that play into your roles of acting in Battlestar and Dollhouse? Well, uh, you know, I whenever I had the opportunity I, I've been a passionate uh, uh, fan of martial arts and, and you know I, I, and I study them uh, and I have for many many years um, unfortunately because of episodic you don't get to train as diligently as I, I would like and it's been a long time since I've been able to really really focus on it and train at it but whenever I've had the opportunity to bring it to uh, any of the shows I've worked on I've taken that opportunity for instance in the boxing scene um, in uh, Battlestar Galactica uh, you know there was an opportunity there and uh, to be honest with you, I was, I was written in a small scene, and I think I was like holding hand pads for someone, and I wasn't actually in the ring. I kicked and screamed and whined so much about that, because they all knew that I trained regularly, and I went straight to the house, I went straight to David Icke and Ron Moore, and I was like, you guys have to put me in here. If I get beat up, fine, but put me in a scene. I want to be boxing in the ring. This is my thing. Don't you dare not do it. Like, I made such a big deal. So they mentioned both this wicked scene with Jamie. And, uh, you know, it's good. I think originally the scene ended with Jamie kicking my ass, and I was like, really? Come on. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, chase it around. And anyway, it was great. Jamie, you know, Jamie's so athletic. The guy, you should have seen how quickly he learned. Like, he hadn't really done any boxing before. He'd done a quick scene with uh, uh, Eddie yeah, in the first season, which was great. Mm-hmm. But that's all he'd really done. But he's a really athletic guy, so he picked up right away. They brought in, at first, uh, uh, one of my best friends and I, Alex Ponovic, and I were working a fight scene out with him. And then they brought on this fight coordinator who got really specific about combinations and how we were going to do the fight scene. And Jamie was great in that. And that was a lot of fun. Dollhouse, same thing. Pilot episode. Uh, Joss Whedon has this great idea. Or not pilot episode. First first episode of first season. He's got, he wrote in the scene where um, uh, I was going to box. And uh, I just went to Joss right away, and I'm like, look, I've been doing this thing, this martial art Muay Thai, for a number of years. And uh, I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Jumping knees, elbows, it's a beautiful martial art. And he's like, Muay Thai, he's like, can I get some pad thai with that? I'm like, he's like, he had no idea what I was talking about, right? And I'm like, uh, Joss, trust me, just please, like, this is great Muay Thai, I'll do the rest, let me work with the fight coordinators. And we did, and we did this scene. And I went in there, and they had this great uh, fight coordinator, but he was more uh, karate-based, which is an amazing martial art in itself, but very different in the way that it didn't have uh, the same knees and elbows and things like that. So we quickly worked, uh, you know, a fight scene, and, uh, you know, 
got that great fight scene in the first episode of Dollhouse where I'm doing jumping knees and you know I helped choreograph that and put in all the moves that I wanted to and they had me you know a 250 pound Maori to uh, or Samoan I should say uh, my friend Tenaway Reed who's uh, an amazing stuntman he's worked with the best he, he doubles the rock often oh okay he's, yeah anyway so he was the guy who gets beat up in the scene yeah, that's a monster but uh, yeah it was great Awesome. So yeah, whenever I can do my stunts, I do them. If it's something stupid where there's obviously a big chance of me hurting myself, I'll take a step back. But uh, oftentimes, uh, I don't let the stunt guys do my stuff. No. And I'm curious to find out what was it that attracted you to Bell Stark Uh What attracted me to it? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I think this. You know, as soon as I read the sides, I you have to understand. Even when I booked the gig, I hadn't read the script. Mm-hmm. I only read the sides for it. Um, I remember watching it when I was a kid. I was very, very, very young. Though. I barely remember the, the original series. But when I read the uh, the sides <coughs> for um, for the scenes I was going to audition for, and there was, there was you know the main scene between uh, Sharon and I down on the planet where I I give up my seat to guys Baltar, and I just connected to it right away. And that, you know I think a lot of actors will tell you that rarely happens, where you feel an instant connection. You just say, I know this guy. I know this scene. And you can't wait to get in the room and do the audition. And that was the situation with me. I, I read it, and I was really, really excited about it. So uh, I even remember, you know, being in the audition room and uh, watching Michael Reimer go by. I didn't know who he was, but I just assumed when I saw him walk by in the casting room that he was the director. And we had a moment. I remember he walked by and he kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, and we just had this second where we just kind of connected. And I was like, all right, this is all falling into place. And uh, as soon as I got in the room, I, you know, I just, I had a great audition. I, I think I could say that. And you know, he worked with me a little bit, and uh, it was great. And I, it's funny though, I didn't find out right away. I kind of forgot about it. I was like, well, I guess I didn't get it because I found out eight days after that I booked it. I think probably because they were, uh, they, you know, they're casting all over the place. There's a number of actors in LA and from all over going out for that role, so. Um, you, you've been in two science fiction shows in, in both Battlestar Galactica and Dollhouse. Is there something about science fiction as a genre that appeals to you? Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. Always have been ever since I was a kid. You know, I'm, I'm particular in what I like. I think a lot of people are. I don't like everything. Some stuff is uh, a little too fantastical for me. I'm, uh, it's well known that like, uh, you know, uh, Blade Runner is my favorite film. I've watched it. I, I don't even know how many times. Probably about. 30 times. I, I love that film. I have to watch it a couple times a year, <laughs> at least. Um, you know, I, I like to tell this story, too. Yeah, I find it really incredible that Edward James almost made such an impression on me when I was a little kid, and I saw, like, thank you, and I saw uh, Blade Runner, and uh, I was fascinated by him more than a lot of actors in that film, and he had such a small role. Do you know what I mean? But he stood out. He was one of the most compelling characters in there. And at that time, even as a little kid, I was thinking, I want to do that. Like, I, I, I want to know more about this guy. He's such a good actor. And uh, how does he do that? And 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 uh, and then you know, how many years later? Twenty-two years later, or something? They end up booking a series as, with him as the, as the lead. I mean, from that point on, though, from you know, seeing him in that first film, I was always a fan of his work. And they end up working with them is incredible. But I've always loved sci-fi. I read a lot of sci-fi. Uh, you know, I've seen uh, certain writers who have always that I've read. You know, ever since I was younger. My my dad is a passionate reader too, and he likes a lot of science fiction too. So he's he's turned me on to a lot of writers. I, I remember when he turned me on to uh, William Gibson. 
when I was 14. And uh, I've been a passionate fan of his ever since, although I haven't read his latest work. Um, when you were on, uh, started on BSU, it was you and Grace Park most of the time. Was it a, a, a big transition when you had to act with, with the rest of the cast? Did that present different challenges? For sure, yeah. Just you know, just, just being a young actor, I was just, uh, you know, you have to understand, even, even in the cast read-through, like I said, I hadn't read the script yet. So cast read through. I see some other local Vancouver actors that I know, and they're like, oh, "Hey, what's on? You're on this." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm on this," and you know, it's great. And, and then I see Edward James almost and Mary McDonald walk by, and I'm like, "Holy shit! Did you just see it?" I, I had no idea they were on our show. I just thought they were at the studio doing something else. And everyone's like, "Yeah, they're, they're the leads." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I started sweating and got really nervous right away. And the cast read through, I was looking down at the table and mumbling. I was so intimidated. It was, you know, it was both of them. I'm a huge fan of both those actors. So, you know, when I first got to work with him, you, you've got a lot of nerves. Like, you know, Eddie's an intimidating guy when you first meet him. Ultimately, you get to know him. He's just an incredible man. He deserves, you know, I have so much respect for that man, but he, he's really kind and warm once you get to know him. Um, in the beginning, I was very intimidated to work with Mary and Eddie, and I think most of us were just because of their their stature and, and uh, you know, their, their, their place in the business, their years of experience, and the caliber of actor that they were. But it was never not a learning experience. I, I learned so much every time I ever worked with them. The first time I saw you that I really remembered you was that, that initial scene in Battlestar Galactica where you, where you give up your seat to Guy's Baltar. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember listening to Ron Moore talk about that on his podcast where he said that it, he was done with you at that point. And then when they did the premiere... Every he, everybody that came out was saying, "Well, what happens to Elon?" Yeah, yeah, there was a big fan response. I yeah, guess. just just yeah. immediately from the yeah. first showing. Yeah, I, do you think you're like the luckiest actor? Definitely. Like, uh, you know, it's um, it's really uh, it's really flattering to 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 know that you know the audience out there responded in that way. What they wanted, you know, but yeah, I, I can only take so much of the credit. I mean, it was written really quite well. It was, it was a great scene. It was a awesome opportunity. I think, um, you know, I think part of it was the connection I had with Grace Park instantly. We uh, we connected right away, just as friends, just as young actors. We made a connection and we, we bonded right away. And I think that showed in the uh, the performance and the connection that we had as characters in the show. Uh, it's really important. Oftentimes. You just don't have that cap. From what I've observed, being a fan of this art form, also is like you know, it's regardless of how good actors are, sometimes they can't. They just don't have chemistry. You see it often. You see it oftentimes, and then you'll see actors really trying to make that chemistry. You know, they're playing lovers or people who are very close, and it just doesn't come across well. Uh, Grace and I had a we had a connection right away, and we clicked. We were like brother and sister. We were like old old friends instantly. And it was. It was uh, it's awesome. I mean, she's still a dear friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of the reason that, that fans responded to, to Hilo, too. And, um, but yeah, great, you know, greatest, greatest opportunity in the world. And like I said, uh, I was just answering this question earlier earlier on. I um, <clears throat> I had no idea that I was going to be coming back. You know, I was done with it, and I was okay with that. I had a great experience shooting it. We shot it over months. I worked with incredible actors, and I had, you know, I had to play the hero role in some ways, and uh, I was done with it. I moved on. You know, I got the call like uh, six, seven months later. 
maybe even longer, maybe it was eight months, I don't know. But that they were going to go to the first season, they had an opportunity for uh, you know storyline on the planet, you know, the sea storyline sort of, to visit Hilo running around on the planet trying to survive. And this was your own storyline. Mm-hmm. That must have been pretty cool. That was incredible. I remember uh, when Ron called, I had a, I had a particularly bad, bad week uh, at my first pilot season in L.A., a bunch of uh, bad auditions in a row, and I found out that the last series I was on, the one that I went to right after I shot the miniseries of Battlestar, Cold Squad, a Canadian cop television series, was cancelled. So I was having like a really bad day, I think, uh, kind of questioned whether I wanted to do this anymore, which you do sometimes, you know, especially after you've had some bad auditions, and then... Uh, I got the call from Ron Moore. I got the call from my manager and said, Ron Moore wants to talk to you. And I'm like, well, give him my number. And he called me up and he said, yeah, you know, got this idea of the storyline. And I'm like, Ron, where do I sign? Let's do this. I'm excited. Uh, Have you previously been a fan of Battlestar Galactica? Yeah. I was very, very very young. You know, Uh, I remember it though. I didn't have cable when I was a kid so I remember watching it at friends' houses but it was significant at the time I remember how big it was at the time you know it was like it was a big deal I remember having you know the, uh, the uh, you know action figures and stuff and playing Battlestar Galactica and uh, you know I, uh, no disrespect to the original series uh, but you know I think I'd like to think what people think about the show now I mean it was one season we, we were significant uh, you know we shot that show for almost six years if you think about it 4.5 seasons but with the miniseries and the year in between and the writer's strike and everything we were together six years doing that show I'd like to think that when people think about Battlestar Galactica they think about our uh, our, our version now um, <coughs> there was a lot of new media that was that surrounded the show Ron did the, the director's cut podcast mm. that was meant to be played while you were watching the episode um, you guys did a bunch of webisodes during the writers' strike, mm-hmm. and I understand that, that uh, there were some there was some argument surrounding that about like the like the studio didn't want to pay you for the work on the the webisodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'm not really privy to a lot of that because uh, I I never did any of the webisodes, but uh, I know that some of my cast members did. And I, uh, I can't remember the situation with that, so I can't really speak on it. Okay, but um, do you participate in any new media like Twitter or Facebook or anything like that? I, um, to be honest with you, I, I really should career-wise. I'm sure that uh, it would be a smart move to get on Twitter. I'm, uh, I find it hard to juggle everything, you know? I constantly get really frustrated with Facebook even. I hate that I check it as much as I do. And to be honest with you, I haven't, I haven't used it much in the last month. But I still check it because I have a lot of you know, friends who email me there. Uh, I'm not good at promoting myself a lot. I I, uh, I try to be present as much as I can in life, and you know, really focus on the things that I can. I find that there's very little time in every day. I need to work out. I need to meditate. I need to be present with my friends and family, and not be incessantly checking my phone or twittering when I'm with them. Mm-hmm. It makes them feel less important and less loved, because that's how I feel when somebody's doing that when I'm around. Those are things I'm trying to focus on more in life. But I'm constantly being told I need to twitter. I don't know. I might get in trouble with some of the stuff I might say. I can be really honest at times. And <laughs> I might put my uh, my foot in my mouth. But you know, I'll, I'll consider the whole Twitter thing. But you know, other than that, I, I'm not very good at uh, self-promotion. I just find it hard to juggle email and text and all of that in life. There's too much of it, to be honest with you, in my opinion. Yeah, one of my friends calls the current generation the generation that never looks up. 
That's what I mean. It's 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 unfortunate. I get it. You know, I'm, I'm I can I'm guilty of it myself when I'm on the computer. I'll be you know I'll be texting. Sometimes I've found myself you know comfortably watching. I'm a big huge fight fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, fights on in the background. I'm on my computer. I've got my phone beside me, and you know texts are coming in, or I'm having a you know a WhatsApp conversation at the same time. It's you know we're like this. ADD generation completely unfocused sometimes, but I, I, I really think it's important, and I, I try and make a point of not doing that when I'm with loved ones or people I care about, because uh, it doesn't do anything for relationships. It's making us more distant, and uh, I mean, the irony of it is we're using technology to get closer to each other, and it's actually making us more distant and more lonely, you really think about it. I think it's a, a, a double-edged sword that it, it is. It, you know, it, it, it cuts both ways, and sometimes both ways at the same time. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of people here that I only see a couple of times a year, and we keep in touch all year round. And it, it just there's, there's this continuing conversation. Yeah. And you see someone, and you just throw your arm around them and go head off you to the bar, time. and and yeah. it's like it's like you never left. Yeah, not to be negative about it. Like you said, it is a double-edged yeah. sword. You know, it's great to keep in contact with uh, old friends, people I grew up with, family and stuff. I, I, I can use Facebook for that and stuff. But it's just, uh, it's really just hard finding a fine line, though, with it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's managing that line, I think. That's yeah, the important is. thing. The balance of it is really difficult, I find. It, it, it seems like Battlestar Galactic was really an ensemble show. Absolutely. And, uh, you Huge know, cast. Yeah, and, and yet, you know, you got to do great things, but, you know, you had to, you were part of a bigger group. Absolutely. Because when you got to Dollhouse, you were, you know, it wasn't as quite as big a group, so yeah. you got to do more, you, you appeared more on this show. I, I did somewhat. I did somewhat. I mean, you think about it. I, the thing about Dollhouse, we had two seasons. So by third season, maybe I didn't appear as regularly in, in Battlestar, but I was... My character, my role, Sharon and I's role, Athena, Athena and I's characters in our storyline was was quite an integral and important part of the storyline. And if I wasn't shown as much, I was shown in a more significant way. More often, we have a whole episode or what have you. I think in a larger picture, I was featured as much in the last couple of years. But Dollhouse, yeah, it was like... I, the only problem with Dollhouse, not to say anything negative about it, is that it was struggling from the minute we started which is really unfortunate because I think that show had a lot of potential. Joss Whedon is a brilliant man, very, very talented, <clears throat> but it just it started off on the wrong foot. It was, uh, I think there was too many people with too many different ideas trying to make this one thing happen. Did you have the same experience when you got to Dollhouse? Here was Joss Whedon, you know, a name in science fiction. Did you have, and, and uh, the other characters, did, did you have some of the same feelings when you came across the cast? Well, there was a lot of young actors on the show uh, who maybe didn't have as much experience as, as I did, but I, I realized right away how talented they were. You know, some really, really talented actors. Uh, you know, Ed Bear, Joe Kai is a really talented actor. He's a, I think he's going to have an incredible career. Um, you know, Deachin herself, beautiful, beautiful young woman. She's just a, an angel. She's going to have a great career, too. Uh, miracle. I mean, they're all. And then you know, like you look at some of our leads, just really incredible actors. Uh, Harry Lennox, Olivia. Uh, I, I worked for a number of years, and I was coming off of an incredible series, so I was I was quite confident in my ability uh, to do my thing with my character and just eager. I was just excited. It wasn't the nerves that I had with Battlestar because I was quite a young actor when we did that show, so early in my career. But. Um, <clears throat> 
I, you know, I will say this: it's 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 somewhat hard to work in the environment. I don't have the experience yet, and I think hopefully, you know, maybe you get this after years of experience. But working in an environment where the, a show was so hyped, which Dollhouse was, because it's the first thing that Joss had done in a number of years, and it had so much negative press surrounding it. I mean, it's I kind of hate that about uh, you know the business somewhat. It's like it's almost like a hater culture. It's like people want you to fall. You know, it's like there was there was so much hype about it, a lot of excitement, but at the same time. There was almost more negative press that you know this is going to happen. And from the minute we started, there was the rumors that we're going to be canceled. There's problems on the show, which unfortunately there was in terms of writing. You know, I think, like I said, I think Joss had a vision, and uh, he wasn't able to follow through with that vision. And unfortunately, because of that, the show got steered in different directions, and it it didn't reach its full potential. But it it, it did a lot of great things, and there were some incredible episodes. And I'm so happy to have uh, been part of it. I understand you're doing voice work in Mortal Kombat. Voice? No. No, you're, are you are you in the live action? No. Mm -hmm. So what, it's a web it's a web movie. Right. Um, but has anybody seen the trailer here? Did you guys check out that seven minute trailer? I it's incredible. So. It's awesome. It's so good. Kevin Tantron is Marissa Tantron. Okay, Marissa Tantron. Do you familiar with her? She, she was one of the key writers on uh, on Dollhouse. Mm -hmm. She's married to uh, 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 Jed who's Joss's younger brother. They're good friends of mine. They're, they're, they're awesome. Um, uh, very talented musicians, writers, the whole deal. So Kevin is Marissa's little brother. He is, I don't know, Kevin's like a young man. He directed Fame. He had this idea. He, put the, he did the trailer for, you know, very limited budget, this reimagined Mortal Kombat uh, trailer. And uh, because of it, it I, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but I think it had 20 million hits. So he's decided to do the web movie. Same thing. Limited budget again, but incredible. Shooting like a madman in Vancouver right now. I got cast as uh, one of the characters, Stryker, and uh, I was just in Vancouver last week doing that. I came back on Monday, actually. came back to L.A. on Monday. You deal with the science fiction thing. I always find it interesting. You're sort of drawn to the scientific science fiction. I, you know, it, 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 yeah, I am. I mean, like I said, I'm a fan, but it, you know, it, I, it comes to me. I don't go and get the kids, you know? Now, you're a big science fiction fan. Yep. Do you, uh, do you read science fiction as well? Yep. What, what what's some of your favorite science fiction books? Um, probably uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric. She was one of my favorites at a young age, of course, because of the film I saw first. And then once I got it, it took me you know years later. I was a young, I was a little boy when I saw you know uh, Blade Runner. Yeah. But when I finally got to read the book, I was really excited about that. It's a very different style. William Gibson is definitely my favorite sci-fi writer, though. Uh, um, I just I, I love his love his stuff. Uh, one of his last books, Spook Country, is uh, a large part of it set in Vancouver, where he he's lived for years. He gets a lot of his inspiration. He writes from there. I see him all the time. I turn into a fan girl. The two times I've met him, I I stumbled over my words and had absolutely nothing to say. And I've read his books and I could sit there and just you know quote things and. And, and it's amazing watching a writer develop as a writer, his style, the way he writes, and just to see him grow as an artist, you know. But any time I've ever seen him, I'd be like, ah, oh, Mr. Gibson, a big fan of your books. It's really nice to meet you. And then walked away going, oh, you idiot. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I love, love William Gibson, yeah. Now, um, what, we were having this discussion last night about uh, do androids dream of electric sheep. Yep. And... Um, the, the book is so hugely different from the movie 
that was based on it, Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And I think you really get to see there the difference in in the art of writing and the art of filmmaking, and yeah. both being you know part of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was one specific you know book that was made into a movie that that you would like to be in, what would it be? Hey, if I had the opportunity to be in any of Harrison Ford's role roles, when you know, if there was a possibility that they, there was a remake or something, I would jump at the chance. You know, I don't think Blade Runner should ever be remade, but I mean, uh, incredible film. Yeah, even though it was so different from the book, I'm still such a huge fan of it. Yeah, I th- I, and I think both the book and the movie were excellent, excellent but they were yeah. completely different. Yeah, although I think you know the final cut. The final, final cut really was the best. Yeah. Because that's what he wanted to do with it originally, so. Yeah. Yeah. 